This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans, celebrating 76 years of providing Tennesseans with high quality coverage at affordable prices. Visit FBHP.com today to learn more about their history in Tennessee and to get a quote. That's FBHP.com. Mike Keith, pleased to be joined by the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor. And I'm going to ask Matt Taylor five questions to get us up to speed on the six and five Colts. And then Matt will ask me five questions so he can get up to speed on the four and seven Titans. Both teams were winners this past Sunday. Really nice win for the Colts over Tampa Bay, 27 to 20. Of course, the Titans knocked off Carolina, 17 to 10. Matt Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I'm, I, I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Are you ready? Are, are you ready for the first question? I, I am. I'm an open book. Whatever you need. Let's go. Okay. So after the Colts beat the Titans on October the 8th, they lost three straight games. And then they have won their last three games at Carolina, at New England, which was actually in Germany, and then against Tampa Bay. How have the Colts turned it around and won three in a row? Well, I, I think there's a lot of answers to that. I mean, you know, fortunately for the Colts, um, they've taken advantage of the schedule, right? I don't think the the Panthers or the Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be confused with the best teams in the NFL right now. Um, but, you know, two of those wins are on the road. One of them was overseas in Germany, you know, some adversity with the logistics there. So they're all really good wins, but, um, you know, I think they're just getting steady performances from a lot of key players and a lot of key units. The offensive line is playing incredibly well right now. It's been kind of banged up, but um, the depth has come in and has played very well. Guys like Wesley French um, have showed out. Uh, you know, you got Blake Freeland that has had to play both left tackle and right tackle. He's done a nice job in a reserve role. The running game's been pretty consistent in terms of yards per carry and grinding out tough yards, kind of those situational uh, running yards, if you will, from Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. Um, but the defense has played very well in this last three games. Uh, during this three-game winning streak, they're giving up only about 13 points per game. And again, they're not playing um, you know, the, the highly touted offenses, right? They're not playing Kansas City or Philadelphia or the Cowboys, you know, teams like that. But, you know, they're taking care of business. And the, the biggest hope for the Colts during this three-game winning streak is the pass rush. The pass rush has really come on. They've got 15 sacks combined during the three-game heater here. Um, Dio Adangbo looks like he's taking his career up a notch. Samson Ebicom has been a nice um, steady force, you know, good signing in free agency for the Colts. He's got six sacks as well to go along with six from Dio Adangbo. You know what you're going to get from DeForest Buckner. Quiddy Pay, I think, has turned the corner in year number three. So I would say the pass rush and the defense, um, those two things have done a really good job for the Colts during this three-game winning streak. And, you know, obviously it hasn't been all sunshine and roses. You know, they, they're still not stopping the run very well without Grover Stewart. He's uh, still serving that six-game suspension. 
In fact, the the last game of that suspension will be this game on Sunday against Tennessee, and that's kind of worrisome uh, considering, you know, Derrick Henry and, and that offensive line and the way the Tennessee Titans want to run the football and move the ball on the ground. Um, I think the Colts have given up about 148 rushing yards per game in Grover Stewart's five-game absence. So um, that's a little troublesome. they got to get that figured out, and we'll see if that if they can go overcome that, I should say, uh, this Sunday in Tennessee in round number two against the Titans. All right, here's question number two. Garner Minshew has now been fully in the seat for quite some time, thrown nearly 300 passes as the Colts quarterback. How have they transitioned to Garner Minshew on offense after Anthony Richardson was injured in the first game against the Titans. Yeah, they've they've done a really nice job. They don't they don't ask Gardner Minshew to to push the ball and and you know to get four or five 20 yard completions per game. They want him to be, you know, a guy that settles in and have the offensive line protect for him so that he can go through that quick rhythm passing game and get the ball out fast to Michael Pittman Jr. and Josh Downs and maybe to a lesser degree Alec Pierce and some of the backs out of the backfield. They've just been really creative, Mike, in how they've helped uh, Gunnar Minshew and, again, not put too much on his plate. They don't ask him to be, you know, Tom Brady and and, and throw the ball 40-plus times per game. They want the running game to complement uh, the RPO game and, again, the quick rhythm passing game from Gardner Minshew. That's where he's at his best. That's his strength as a quarterback, those quick throws, um, you know, quick timing, quick rhythm, uh, you know, quick release um, and 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 make playmakers uh, get chunk plays with yards after the catch. You know, again, I go back to Pittman and Downs. Those are his two favorite targets right now. Um, but again, the running game has done a nice job to compliment um, uh, Gardner Minshew. And the biggest surprise for me, anyways, coming from last year, and 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 with you know with the fact that um, Anthony Richardson only plays four games, the biggest surprise has been just the, the consistency both in the passing game but the point total. The Colts have scored at least 20 points in 10 of 11 games this season, and they're right up there with the Kansas Cities and the Philadelphias of the world in terms of just overall point total. They're really good in the red zone right now, and I think Gardner Minshew uh, deserves a lot of credit for that because he's being efficient with the ball, accurate with the ball. Yeah, he's had some interceptions and some hiccups there, but as long as the Colts don't turn the ball over and they don't ask Gardner Minshew to do too much, you know, the Colts are going to be in just about every game they play in the final six games of the season. Two-parter for question number three. Number one, Jonathan Taylor seems back to form, yes or no. And part number two, are the Colts surprised at the one-two punch that Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor seem to be forming? Uh, Jonathan Taylor is back to form. You know, he had 90 yards rushing the other day against Tampa Bay. And that really doesn't tell the story. He had some terrific runs, um, some explosive runs, but just yards after contact, good vision, good patience. I mean, he really played outstanding against the Buccaneers and was a big reason why the Colts won that game. And then as far as the one-two punch, I don't think you're surprised at all considering that, you know, Moss towards the end of last year, we forget that Jonathan Taylor, he missed the last quarter of the season last year with an ankle injury that carried over into the offseason in the beginning portion of this year, without Zach Moss, that running game really would have fallen off a cliff. I mean, there was a good stretch there between week 16 of last year and week four or five of this year 
where Zach Moss was the top rusher in the NFL um, when you combine those two spans. And I think it's still crazy right now. He's despite, you know, Jonathan Taylor coming back and the workload for Moss dropping off. Uh, Zach Moss still ranks, I think, top 10 in the NFL in rushing, primarily because of the workload and the production that he had in the first five games of the season when Jonathan Taylor was on PUP. So now that that Taylor's back and he's off PUP and he's fully healthy and seems to be the Jonathan Taylor of old, um, I think you can define it as a nice little one-two punch. Although, listen, if you ask any Colts fan, they they want to see – Jonathan Taylor uh, be the guy you know they want him to have the ability to get hot throughout the course of the game he's just like Derrick Henry right the more carries he gets um, he starts to build up momentum and the better he gets in the third and the fourth quarter Um, but you know Zach Moss has done a really good job where he's warranted eight to ten carries per game and there really is no drop off in terms of of the production and just both guys ability to run very hard and get tough yards in the running game. Despite if it's, if it's 28 out there or it's 21, the Colts feel really good about either back being able to run the ball in any situation they have on offense. Question number four, Shane Steichen, your coach seems to have one or two tricks every single game, or let's call them surprises at the very least. Has he even been able to surprise the Colts announcer, Matt Taylor, in-game? <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. Every, every game, he keeps you on your toes in terms of, of game strategy where he's notorious so far this season where on a fourth down, he'll have the offense be out there, then he'll do a complete like hockey line change where all 11 players run off, and then all 11 special teams players run on, and then he'll – Run them up, run them back off again, and the offense is back on the field and try to hard count the opposition just to do anything, you know, in terms of gamesmanship to get a leg up. Maybe you, you force the other team to, to you know, burn a timeout or you catch them off guard and you get an easy first down by doing some of that trickery stuff. Just this other, this last game, uh, the Colts went for it on fourth down four times. They got three of them. Um, and they were really good design plays. One of them was a quick out to Michael Pittman Jr. That got him into a first and goal situation. And then maybe the the most uh, notorious from this past game is probably making the rounds on social media. It was it was uh, fourth and, and probably less than a half yard uh, near midfield in the fourth quarter. And the Colts lined up uh, with uh, Zaire Franklin, their starting linebacker uh, in the backfield, lined up as a fullback, and they played at, play action to to Jonathan Taylor, and uh, they found a wide-open Mo Alley-Cox down the field for a 30-yard gain to kind of seal that win. So, yes, he does have a lot of uh, collaboration between he and the coaching staff um, on some of those wrinkles every single week. I'm sure you saw some of them back in week five uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. And and Shane Steichen just has done a tremendous job, I think, of wearing many hats. He's uh, He's been a game manager. He's calling the plays. Um, he's having a feel for the game. So there's a lot on his plate, but he's doing a good job of handling all of that. And, you know, again, based on last year, last year was just sort of a, you know, I don't, I don't have to tell you is it was crazy chaos, uh, into the season. There was seven game losing streak. Um, so all things considered four twelve and one last year to this year, the culture's changed. And I think just the creativity and the innovation on offense is completely different this year compared to last year. Yeah, and we knew it was a better roster than that too, Matt. We, I mean, I don't think anybody surprised the culture playing much better because there's just stability and consistency. But I'll end with this question. 
if you're worried about something with the Colts down the stretch, if something stands out to you, you say, mm, don't want this to happen or we can't have this, what would that be? Well, I think a couple of things. I mean, certainly, again, going into this game on Sunday against Tennessee, and I know it's not just a, a season-long problem, but it has been the last five games without Grover Stewart, like I mentioned. They just, they, they're not stopping the run like they need to. They, 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 get, they have to get that figured out if they want to stay in the playoff mix and ultimately make the postseason in January. Um, like I said, without Grover Stewart, it's it's been really tough. I mean, Tampa Bay had the worst rushing offense in the NFL, and they came into Lucas Oil Stadium the other day and rushed for 125 yards and found the end zone a couple of times. So you can't do that. Um, and then I think, too, that I would like to personally see the tight ends get more involved uh, than the degree that they have been. You know, Kylan Granson didn't have a catch the other day. Uh, Drew Ogletree has been in and out of the lineup lately with some injuries. Uh, Mo Alley Cox has been rarely targeted. So in the passing game right now, it, it's really, truly, it's Michael Pittman Jr. It's Josh Downs. Like I said, there's some sprinkling of, of Alec Pierce. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss in the ground game, and then number 11 and number one in the passing game for the Colts. I would like to see it be a little bit more diverse um, consistently with the tight ends getting more involved than, than certainly what they have been um, in the middle part of this season for the Colts on offense. Time for a quick timeout for us to remind you it's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action, whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way home or on the way to the game. Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. So I have used my five questions for Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, and now he turns the tables and he's able to ask me five questions about the Titans. All right. Are you in my five, Mike? This is like the, the old T-Mobile commercials. You're in my five. That's right. I'm in your well, that, five. How about yeah. that? I would like that. You're you're a young man, so you would uh, you would help my age percentage yeah. there. So I appreciate it. Well, you you have a lot of wisdom, so I'm I'm glad that you, you made the cut here. So you're I'm gonna use my lifeline here on Mike Voice, the voice <laughs> Mike Keith, I should say, the voice of the Titans. All right, Mike. So the Titans they beat the Panthers last week, seventeen to ten. That snapped a three game skid for them. So. Uh, now you guys sit at four and seven on the season. Where where are the Titans now compared to the hope you had for this team at the beginning of the season when you were like everybody else outside sweating, watching practice and training camp in the month of August? Matt, I understood that the Titans were in a position from a salary cap standpoint and from a, a turnover in the roster standpoint. And remember, this is a team that turned over half the roster. And right now, this team is playing all six of its draft picks regularly on offense. So I understood that if we sort of got to the point where we are right now, it probably wasn't going to be a great year. Uh, they needed some things to work out, like Andre Dillard at left tackle. Uh, they they needed a couple of other things to, to really work out for me. It just didn't happen. And Ryan Tannehill was not playing particularly well, got hurt. And they've decided to go with the rookie, Will Levis. I think he certainly gives them a chance to win. It's nothing against his talent. But they're playing a rookie quarterback, as you guys were earlier in the year. So all of those things factored in. I think had everything gone right, the Titans could be right in the race for the AFC South. 
but that was that was going to be quite a, a needle to thread. Uh, it was going to mm-hmm. be a tough thing for them to do. And so it, it hasn't worked out that way. Injuries in the offensive line have caused problems. Some injuries on defense have been untimely. And then a lack of production from some of the people they hope to get production from. And, you know, all of those things have sort of factored in. Now, when you say, where are they now? Uh, the big story is they're home. The Titans are home. And yeah. the Titans are the Titans are 4-0 at Nissan Stadium, which is really bizarre because in the 25-year history of the Titans, Matt, they've always been a great road team. And this year, you know, 0-7 away from Nissan Stadium, 4-0 at home. First time we've had a chance to have back-to-back games at home. And especially with this young team, you wonder if that's not going to be a major help to have them be able to sleep in their own beds and not have to go too far, pack a bag for, you know, a two, two and a half week period. Yeah, a lot of weirdness here in this 2023 NFL season. I mean, we can yes. kind of relate around here. The Colts are, they're two and four at home and four and one on the road. And like you said, the Titans are four and one at home, 0 oh and six on the road this season. You mentioned Will Levis, now the team's starting quarterback. And, and now that he has started the last five games, moving to him, away from Ryan Tannehill, was that a demotion of Tannehill or just sort of a, an exploratory move for Levis to see what they have in that rookie with Ryan Tannehill playing in a contract year? Well, Ryan had had played and had not played particularly well. He had two touchdown passes and six interceptions, and he was you know sacked 19 times, and not all of it was his fault, but he was just not he, – he wasn't playing great. And then he got hurt, and he was going to miss a significant period of time. And Will Levis sparked the offense in the in the win over Atlanta. He even did some really good things in the game over Pittsburgh four days later. And more than anything else, he proved that he could handle it. Um, the, the statement has been made that, that some guys are running plays and that some guys are playing quarterback. Will Levis is already playing quarterback. Uh, because of the systems that he played in in college at Penn State and Kentucky, he runs the huddle, he can go under center, he can call the plays, you know, all of those sorts of things that some of the youngsters coming out of college programs have never done. And so with everything being equal and the physical gifts that Will Levis has, I think the, the feeling was they needed to get him in there to give themselves a chance to win, but also to see what they have. Because at the end of this year, very clearly the Titans need to know what the answer is. And that's either Tannehill or Malik Willis or Will Levis or somebody else, because they've got a decision to make because of Tannehill's contract being up and because of those two young players. And and Willis has played a good bit of football. He's had a chance. And now Levis is getting his chance. So far, so good, to be honest with you on Will Levis. We'll see how the last six games go. All right, question number three for me, Mike, is, you know, last week, Derrick Henry, he reached 9,000 career rushing yards. He became just the eighth player to do that in his first eight NFL seasons. We've always really admired Derrick Henry here in Indianapolis, but but this year, looking at it big picture, his workload is down from where it has been. Uh, I think he's only been over 20 carries three times on the season, averaging less than 70 rushing yards per game. What do you attribute that to? Is that just the lack of playmaking around him on offense or is this a a conscious effort to monitor his carries in his eighth season 
they'd like to see him carry 40 times a game <laughs> if he could handle it. Uh, I don't mean that literally, but I, I think they would love to see him handle the ball as much as he could, and he would love that too. The problem is the Titans are converting only 32% of third down, so they're not staying on the field, Matt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the game that they played in Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago, you take out kneel downs, they had only 36 snaps. The, the defense is having a hard time getting off the field. The, the number of three and outs for the Titans offense compared to the number of three and outs that the Titans defense gets is very lopsided in the wrong direction for both of those units. And because they have been behind consistently in the second half of games, then yeah. they have to go away from the run game. So Derrick Henry is still very capable. He's still very strong. Uh, I don't think he's lost anything. If he has, it's very minor. Uh, I still think he's a top flight back. He does not play third down. He never has played in passing situations. We know that. So you've got to be in situations where you can use him consistently, and the Titans just haven't been there very much. They were able to do it some yesterday down the stretch, and it, it certainly helped them. But, you know, yesterday they didn't have a lot of plays in the second half because, again, they couldn't stay on the field. They didn't score in the second half. And the the Titans have scored only 80 points in the second half this year. So they they aren't making enough happen in quarters three and four when generally Derrick Henry's at his best. All right, Mike, you mentioned the defense and and that unit. It it got back to basics I read uh, against the Panthers. They kind of simplified some things and it led to good results um, as they beat Carolina and marked their that marked the first time since October 1st that the Titans allowed fewer than 300 yards of total offense and fewer than 20 points in a game. So what exactly did they simplify or tweak that produced some good results on defense? You know, Matt, I I can't tell you the specific calls or whatever. I think the feeling was they were just going to run more of their defense in terms of this is our defense whether it's four down linemen or five down linemen or five defensive backs or six, whatever it is, personnel groupings did change. But they they simplified the calls and they said, okay, we're just going to go play this. And we're not going to try to get tricky. You know, we're not going to run a box in one or, you know, whatever you want to call it in any situation where you try to go with something very specialized. In doing so, they took Adam Thielen away. And Adam Thielen, as you know, having seen Carolina, already has 76 catches. In the game on Sunday, he had three targets and had one catch for two yards. So they felt like they played faster. They had a strip sack, which produced a touchdown that turned out to be the winning margin. And I think overall, um, they were pretty Mm -hmm. pleased with what they got from that. And I think they'll continue to try to continue. They'll try to continue to build on that as much as possible. All right, Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. Last one from me. It's always a great game between the Colts and the Titans. It's really turned into a really good rivalry, and Tennessee's won five of the last six, and five of those games have been decided by single digits. The Colts won the first game at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, Mike, what what things are you expecting the Titans to do well on Sunday that will give the Colts troubles in their quest to sweep the season series? Well, I think you have to go back to Derrick Henry. I think that the Titans want to run the football. They play a rookie quarterback. They have two rookies in the offensive line. They're they're in a very different place than they've been at different points over the last five years. But Derrick Henry's still the answer. 
if you can run Derrick Henry and set up second and six, set up third and two, you help your rookie quarterback. The other thing that happens, too, is you put the play action back in the fold. And when the Titans have been successful under Mike Vrabel, they have hit big shots off play action. And they've done that some this year. So Derrick Henry is, is certainly a big answer. The other part of it, too, for them is I think they really have to make sure their offensive line is firmed up as best it can be. Jalen Duncan at left tackle, uh, Peter Skaronsky at left guard, uh, Dylan Radens, if that's who they start at right tackle, we don't know. That's who they started in the game against Carolina. The Colts have so many guys that can rush the passer. You know, it's not just about one guy. Like with Carolina, it was about Brian Burns. You had to account for Brian Burns. The Colts have five, six guys that can do it. And so you can't lose anybody and you can't help everybody. So the offensive line has to be very firm. On the defensive side, it's about getting off the field on third down. And whether that's third and 10 or third and one or whatever, they need to get the ball back for the offense. They don't need it to be a seven possession game like what it was in Jacksonville. This offense is going to have a hard time developing any rhythm if it only gets the ball seven times. So, you know, that that is a real big key. It, it means you're going to have to take care of everything and you're not going to be able to give up the big plays. I mean, those are the challenges for the Titans. And I, I don't know that I'm breaking any ground except to say I think that's going to be the challenge for them the rest of the way with where they are with this personnel. And, you know, the, the offseason is going to be interesting here, Matt. You know, this team will have over $80 million in cap room, has eight draft picks, uh, has a firm foundation with these rookies who have done well. I mean, if you've got your six draft picks playing for you, they've, they've had five on the field at the same time at different points. Uh, then then you, you've done something right. You know, as you know, Jeffrey Simmons, pretty good player, and he's going to be here. And, you know, they've got some other guys who can really make some things happen. The question is going to be how do they fill in those spots? But a lot of that help is not coming right away. And I think everybody understands that. So down the stretch, the Titans are going to try to be the best version of the Titans that they can be. And, you know, if they string something together, they're not out of anything. But the main focus is just going to be for them doing what they do well and trying to build on that. That's tremendous insight. Mike Keith, the longtime voice of the Tennessee Titans, one of the best in the business. Mike, always appreciate the time. Have a great call on Sunday. Always look forward to seeing you down in Nashville and appreciate you being in my five. I'm thrilled to be in your five. Matt Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the OTP. And as we head out, I need to mention our friend SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans game or any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. I'm Mike Keith, thanking you for listening to the OTP.